It's 2016 and Richo, being me, is back. And so I'm back on Wooshka and I'm here all year. Have a listen. To sum up the last week in Australian politics, you need three words. Malcolm, Turnbull and fiasco. Put them all together and it was a fiasco of a week for this bloke. I cannot believe an Australian Prime Minister could be as dumb as this bloke, as insensitive as this bloke, as arrogant as this bloke, to go out and announce a second income tax from the States. Now, I want you to think about that. Remember this. Everything about politics is trust. They vote for you because maybe they don't trust you, but they distrust the other person more. But here, the leap of faith, the amount of trust that Malcolm Turnbull wanted Australia to take was extraordinary. What he wanted was every single one of us to have the belief that the next Prime Minister, or the one after that, or the one after that, or the one after that, the next Premier, or the one after that, or the one after that, or the one after that, in all the states, that all of them would keep to the agreement that no one would pay more income tax. What a load of rubbish. Now, if you're listening to this, and you've got a pulse, you understand that Australians don't trust their political class. It's much the same around the world these days. Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are proving in America that the major parties have lost, really, the faith of, of, uh, of their voters. The voters simply won't follow them anymore. In England, the, uh, the, the, the troops in the Labor Party, the rank and file, have elected a, a card-carrying idiot who can't win an election in a fit in, in Jeremy Corbyn. And if you look at the Conservatives, uh, they're basically pulling down an incredibly successful bloke uh, in, uh, in David Cameron over this Brexit argument. In France, Marie Le Pen uh, has made far right-wing rubbish responsible and respectable. She's now looking like a real candidate for the presidency of France. And she, she again, is crazy. And then look at Greece. They get one lot of... The, the two major parties, the Conservatives and, and PASOK, the Labour Party, they're gone. And you've got a new bunch of idiots, a new bunch of clueless, hopeless people running Greece. But it's any wonder that voters around the world kind of look at their leaders and say, wow, what happened? I mean, look at Angela Merkel. Oh, we'll open the borders. But suddenly they get a million in a couple of weeks, says, whoops, got that one wrong, but it's a bit late. And the punters in Germany are looking at this and saying, this is crazy, and I haven't even got to Belgium. Where um, if you were uh, a Belgian, whether you spoke Flemish or French, I doubt very much if you'd have much faith in your government. So there's a massive problem out there and what happens here with Malcolm? He blunders in, determined to be the, the, the cleverest guy at the table. But let's think about this. This announcement of a second income tax is a massive change in our federation. It's huge. Now, it's not the case, as a, as a number of papers have reported, that Malcolm was going to give the states the power to levy income tax. They've had that power for 70 years since what was called the second uniform tax case. So they've got the power. I wonder why Malcolm didn't work out that in that whole seven decades, no one exercised the power. Why? Because they knew the outcome. They knew the outcome was political suicide. They knew instinctively that the voters wouldn't trust them. They knew that. And so no one was game to do it. Now, let me, let me then say this. You've got the biggest deal in, since, well, in, in the last hundred years, a massive change. And what does he do? He announces it on a football field in Penrith. There's a, bloke, a big bloke doing push-ups in the back 
I mean, and you've got Gus Gould. God love Gus. He's got nothing to do with this standing there in the picture. I mean, this was truly bizarre. Was this the place to announce this massive change in the way Australia does business? I doubt that very much, but it's worse. As, An as Anastasia Palaszczuk pointed out to me in a, in a text on Friday morning, not one piece of paper was given to the states about this. Remember, this is being done totally off the cuff. This is, this is the, the classic thought bubble from Turnbull. He just delivers it and, and, and that's it. Apparently that, that's supposed to carry the day. But if, if you're a state premier, even if you wanted to think about this carefully, even if you believe this was an option worth thinking about, or something that, that we might get to, to work, yet you'd say to yourself, well, there'll be a hundred pages of detailed work that's been done on this that I can read through and I can make up my mind. Not a scrap of paper, not even the back of an envelope. Nothing, nil, zilch. It was extraordinary in, the, in that respect. No work had been done, none. And then you look at the level of consultation. And this, of course, is where, where Turnbull will always come undone. We're speaking on Monday the 4th of April. And if you read my piece in the, uh, in the news section this time, it wasn't a, it wasn't a column, it'd be Australian Today, I made the point that Malcolm Turnbull thinks he's the smartest person in the room. That doesn't what room it is. Irrelevant what room. He's the smartest. And I said, and he thinks that he's almost always wrong. And he's almost always wrong because he doesn't understand the difference between bright and smart. Now, Malcolm Turnbull is incredibly bright. There's no question about that. He's got an IQ that is several multiples of mine. No question. I can't compete. He's far too bright for me. But smart? Smart means something entirely different to bright. If you're smart, for instance, you have a thing called instinct. That's all smart people have instincts. This bloke has none. The only instinct he has is how terrific he is. He doesn't understand ordinary Australians. He's got no... And that, let's face it, I mean, I, I try to never do one of those uh, rich, poor, divide things, but it is hard to realise the struggles of the suburbs when you're sitting in a $50 million house on the harbour. It's just a little bit difficult to realise what it's like in, in Fairfield and, and Werribee and all the places that uh, outside of our major cities or Logan or whatever. He just doesn't get the way you live. And it, it shows so often. What's more, being smart means you don't simply know what options are available to you. You will have some idea of what option will fly of what Australians will accept and what they won't accept. And this bloke has got no concept. And I reckon the chances of Australians accepting this option were nil, absolutely nil, never a hope in Hades. He didn't get that. I think he thinks that because he's saying it, people will follow. Well, it doesn't work like that. And I think he's found that out. But the worst feature, the worst feature of it all was the classic Malcolm no consultation. The Admiral's Call. Remember, you never call his captain's call. Alan Jones has been using that, and it's my line, by the way. I want everyone to understand, the Admiral's Call is my line. But um, it's, it's bizarre, because I've spoken to quite a number of his cabinet ministers. Um, uh, whether you're, uh, I think I used the line today in the column, whether you're in the inner circle, the outer circle, the full circle, or the dress circle, you did not know about this one. You had been kept in the dark. This was something he, he kept from me. I mean, now, how do you make a change like this? Think about it. How do you make a change this big, and it's all about money and tax, 
and not tell the treasurer or the minister of finance. Not even a casual mention. Nothing. Zilch. I mean, it's, it's just madness. The Attorney General doesn't get asked. There's, there's just no one gets... Like you don't go to the, the main minister in the state, each state, get them in and say, listen, how do you reckon we'll go with this one? No one was told, not a single soul. So is it any wonder it fell in a heap? And as I, uh, as I said in my, uh, my column, um, I had one minister say, the only thing that saved Malcolm, and I, I won't use all of the language that was used to me when this statement was made, but the only thing that saved Malcolm was, was his own stupidity was so massive, so, so massive, that the thing disappeared in a couple of days. Now, it was always going to disappear in a couple of days. I, when he said it, I thought, it won't last till COAG. Gone. And, of course, you then saw... And remember, you've got to have all the states agree. You had Daniel Andrews come out and Palaszczuk come out and even Baird refused to support it. The Tasmanian Premier and the South Australian Premier couldn't support it. Only that... That bloke in Western Australia, and he's a bit of a clown, he's on the nose, Barnett, he was the only one who supported it. And it, you, you, you all know why. This is this is just political death, this thing, for, for those premiers. Um, they're supposed to be the greedy bastards who turn up in Canberra demanding money. Well, the greedy this time outthought the arrogant, and, uh, and they outthought them pretty easily. But it, it's worse than that. Let's say I'm thinking through this, and I'm thinking it's a, it's a live option. It was never going to work because Turnbull admitted that what he'd have to do to make sure that no one paid more tax than anyone else in Australia was he'd have to subsidise the South Australians, the Tasmanians and the Northern Territory anyway. So it wasn't, oh, you'll all set your own income tax and pay for it and it'll all be okay. It couldn't have been because the mendicant states, and that's what South Australia and Tasmania are, they can't pay their bills. They've never been able to pay their bills. They never will be able to pay their bills. So how is it you could even think for a second that they could, they could charge an income tax levy? Because what they'd have to charge is much more than anybody in Sydney or Melbourne or, or Brisbane or whatever. You'd have to really hit your punters hard just to survive. So you knew before you started it wasn't going to be an equal, uh, an equal playing field. It couldn't possibly be. It was always a rort, this. And so if you're the Tasmanian Premier, what are you going to do? Say, I'll accept this and say, yeah, I'll make sure that you're all paying five cents in the dollar more income tax than anyone in the country. But, oh, don't worry, I'll be able to pay for the hospitals. I mean, it's just so crazy. But it gets worse. I have never, never thought, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I can't be more sincere about this, I never thought I would see a suggestion from an Australian Prime Minister that the federal government fund private schools and the states fund the, the, the public schools. Now, what sort of a look is that? I mean, how do you sell that to Australia? How do you sell the fact, listen, I'll look after the really good schools, the rest of the crap, well, the states can look after that. That's what he said. The rest of the crap, I don't want to have anything to do with. I mean, I cannot believe I heard that. And then, you know, if you... If you uh, Witness, and I turned it off, I must admit, it was a bad thing to say, but given that I work at Sky, but I, I only lasted about 20, 25 minutes into the Thermal interview on, uh, on Sunday morning with, um, with PBO and Paul Kelly, because I just couldn't handle it. I, I'm sorry, I, your correspondent here just could not take it, and I had to turn it off. I needed to, to go and watch golf, football, anything, just get my mind off it, because um, I, I watched him, and this bloke is so out of touch 
with the world around him that it frightens me, but don't worry about me. It frightens his colleagues enormously. So much so that a great many of them are truly worried about the prospect of a July 2nd double dissolution. And they've got good reason to worry. They're worried because they know that this has been one week into a hundred and something day campaign and this bloke's made so many blues, made such a cock up of the whole thing that they're terrified of how many he can make in a long, long campaign. Now, if you've been reading me or listening to the stuff that I've, uh, I've said on radio and television over the last few weeks, it was always a long campaign that I warned against. I remember Hawkey in 1984 against Peacock. It was hopeless. And what happened? Hawke almost lost. Because, and he, he had the temerity to have a 63 or 64 day campaign, not, I hasten to add, 100 days. This bloke, of course, because he's got such a high opinion of himself, um, he, he believes that, that he, he's always going to be the best and therefore the longer it goes, the better he'll go. The problem is his career as Prime Minister shows the opposite. His ratings began at a stellar level. He was in the 60s. He's now in the 30s and dropping. And my own prediction is that over the course of the next one or two news polls, his ratings are going to drop substantially. Doesn't mean that Shortens will come up. They seem to have made their mind up about Shorten. He's improved marginally, but Australia hasn't ever fallen in love with Bill Shorten. They just won't wear him. But they're getting to the stage, I think, where they're beginning to realise the bloke they've got to dud. And you've got to ask yourself, does Australia deserve this? The last two years of Howard's Prime Ministership were pretty awful. He just spent, spent, spent to try and get people to love him. And then you had Rudd, that hopeless, arrogant turd, um, who uh, paraded around um, hating everyone and treating everybody with contempt. He goes and you get Gillard, who was just Rudd in a skirt, um, who, who disregarded everybody who ever told her anything sensible and always made her own calls and always got them wrong. I mean, a hopeless politician. Then that's followed by Tony Abbott. And, you know, all I can remember about Tony Abbott when the crunch comes is two things. Prince Philip and, and, and his knighthood and the, the 2014 budget, which was almost an attack on every single Australian who didn't have a quid. If you had a quid, you were safe. You didn't get touched. And so you've got all of those bad leaders in a row and we've lost faith. We've absolutely lost faith in our political class, just like those other countries overseas. And so now we've got Malcolm and everybody had such high... High hopes, didn't they? He was going to really energise the nation and he had the capacity to because he had the popularity. But don't worry, what he didn't ever have was a sense or an understanding of what Australians are and where they're going and what they want and what they need. That now shows all the time. This bloke simply can't hack it. He may be promising to consult, but one wonders if that's a promise he can keep. Because let's face it, he hasn't kept many others. I won't be around for a little while. Um, it might be a few weeks before I do another one of these podcasts. But stay safe, stay well, and remember it's not a crime to vote Labor.